have stumbled across this podcast looking to find the details and finer points of how to do manscaping? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those uh, use you know, just accept what God gave you, all right? Jeez. I don't know why anybody wants to look like a 2-year-old. That is not this is not the podcast for you. However, this is comedy, tragedy, marriage. marriage. Welcome. Bing. Uh, no, stop. No, that's going to be a thing it's, now. It it causes a re- physical reaction. So I really wish you wouldn't do that. Bing 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 bing. bing. Maybe our last episode. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man, and um, I review films, you know, when there are some, uh, at StanTheMovieMan.com, as well as monthly for WIMZ.com. You could follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan, hashtag FameWhore, and you can also follow the podcast, at CT Marriage. I am joined, as always... <laughs> By my annoying, yet lovely, uh, better half. I am Maud the Colossal Bing Broad. Mm, okay. Uh, yes, she is. And this week it was uh, my turn to pick the movie. And uh, this is uh, something that, um, there's some backstory here, but it is a uh, 2016 science fiction black comedy called Colossal. It stars Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis, Dan Stevens, Austin Stowell, Tim Blake Nelson, and more. Uh, It is the story of a young woman named Gloria, played by Anne Hathaway. She uh, has, uh, she sort of self-sabotaged herself out of a job um, uh, over a year ago. She was writing articles for some sort of online magazine. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said the wrong thing to the wrong person, and when they started having layoffs, she was the first to go. She uh, is now just, like, aimless and partying and staying out all night. She's a hot mess. She's a hot. She's a very hot mess. And uh, comes home one morning to the apartment she shares with her uh, boyfriend, Tim, played by Dan Stevens, Uh I'm sure reeking of alcohol, at least that's the impression. She looked smelly. She she looked road hard and put up wet. Yes. And he's had enough, and he throws her out. He has packed all her stuff the night before and tells her to get out. Uh, she goes back to the small town where she uh, was from, and her parents' home uh, is between renters, so she uh, sort of crashes there. Uh, and she runs into uh, an old friend, a guy named Oscar, played by Jason Sudeikis, uh, who has uh, a bar in town. Uh, she doesn't need to be working in a bar, but... She um, needs to be working somewhere. She does. So he offers her a job, and uh, they uh, end up working together. And that's where we meet uh, Joel, played by Austin Stowell, and... Garth, played by Tim Blake Nelson, uh, to regulars at the bar and friends of Oscars. Now, 25 years before all this happened, some sort of giant monster materialized out of thin air in clouds and lightning and decimated a part of Seoul, South Korea. What does that have to do with Gloria? Well, (laughs) you'll have to find out by watching the movie. But she is connected to this monster. Um, now, I saw this movie when it first came out, and in part, I saw it because one of the companies that was involved in either financing it or uh, distributing it or something, Legion M, Mm -hmm. um, I am a microscopic, tiny, tiny, tiny investor in Legion M. Where? Show me the money! Well, I can't because Legion M has it. Um... Uh, then I, they need to show me the money. I told you about this years ago. You've since forgotten. Clearly. Uh, but, uh, so when I did my review of it, I, you know, said, you know, this is the deal. And, uh, but I gave it a positive review because I liked the movie. Um, it's it's this fairy tale uh, that has some sort of very real world kind of 
you know, subtext to it uh, with, between substance abuse, uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse. Um, that pesky Y chromosome and the trouble it gets you boys into. That's right. Uh, the, the sort of aimless wandering of those who don't quite have their stuff together. Um, there's, there's a fair amount here over and above the, uh, the monster movie. Oh, yeah, and the giant robot shows up about halfway through. So, um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll have to watch it because I don't want to spoil it for you. And I think it's worth watching. It's available on Hulu. Uh, and if you don't have Hulu, you can rent it in all the usual places. But um, I, I just found it to be a very interesting tale. Um, but as we were watching it, I got the impression that perhaps you were not as as interested or involved in it as I was. You would be wrong, sir. Oh, I am happily wrong. I'll happily be wrong about that stuff all the time. Here's the thing, uh -huh. okay? This movie is so trippy and weird, mm -hmm. and it's like telescoping monsters on top of telescoping monsters. And again, I don't want to spoil anything either, but, like, trust me, it's twisty and trippy and weird, yeah, and, okay? And, it, and the, whole, the, the whole thing is not explained exactly. No, it's they, not. They show us the inciting incident, but it's never explained how or why these things are happening. Yeah, we just kind of see the end product or the aftermath mm -hmm. of the initial thing, which, again, in my mind goes back to that pesky Y chromosome and how it gets you dudes into trouble bing, every time. Well, and it's, it's, it's not just being male, it's being jealous. Exactly. It's, because, uh, you know, women can be jealous of, of men uh, well, or women, yeah, too. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Glenn Close boiled rabbits yeah. and, you know, bad stuff happens. That wasn't the best thing she no. could have. She didn't really handle her emotions real well. No, no, and there's, this film speaks to that. Mm -hmm. And what happens when our emotions go awry and get away from us and... Um, expand and become large, mm. large to the point that we have trouble containing them. They become overwhelming. They become overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I, I found this film very interesting. I was entertained through the whole thing. There were some, some moments of exclamation like, what just happened here? Of course, that's not exactly what I said, but exactly what I said is not going to happen on the podcast that's right. because that's right. I am a lady. Yes, you are. Um, when people People can hear me. I am. I am a lady, and sometimes not so when, much. When not when we're recording. Yeah. I'm. I'm a lady when we record. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um. No. It would. There's not. I wouldn't say that this is that this is a heavily specially affected movie. There's some special effects that look oh, yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's not. But no. it's. It doesn't lean on that. Not at all. Um, it's very, it's story driven, it's character development driven. Um, first and foremost, Anne Hathaway, huge fan. Mm -hmm. I have loved Anne Hathaway since she was in a very short-lived um, Fox television series a couple of decades ago called Get Real. I have loved her since then, um, watching her career and her craft and her, um, her, maturing process over the decades has been um, a very cool thing mm -hmm. to see. Um, so, big fan. Um, she, she's she's believable in this role as a hot mess. She she does that well. Yeah. That uh, that uh, show the, on the Amazon Prime. Modern, yeah, the, the episode of Modern Love that she was in. Yes. She had um, she had um, oh shoot. Hollywood musical Anne Hathaway. Yes. Um, and flip the coin over, and we have extremely hot mess, hot mess Anne Hathaway. Yes, that's that equally may be believable. Equally the, believable there. Of of all of the of those episodes we watched, 
I think that one may that be one, my favorite. That one and the one with Dev Patel. With Dev Patel, yeah. yeah. They were both really strong. We right. need to finish those. Yes, we do. Um, oh, I, I'm not even sure. I, did I say the name of the movie? Because you said the name of the Colossal, movie. Colossal, yes. Yes, the name of the movie the is Colossal. The name of the movie is Colossal. Um, and, uh, yeah, Anne Hathaway. Um, is a colossal hot mess. <laughs> yeah, she's very good in this role. Um, she, she plays drunk very convincingly. She does. And she, you know, as she's trying to make excuses for herself, as she's trying to explain to Tim that, uh, what's her name? Jennifer, whatever her, her friend's name was, which she gets wrong the first time. Yeah. Um, but Jennifer wanted to go to the loft. And even after she's busted, she sticks with that story. Jennifer wanted to go to the loft. I so didn't have we any went. choice. Yeah, so we went, and all of a sudden it's morning. And she fell asleep, and I didn't want to disturb her, and then I fell asleep. No, they were partying, because as soon as Tim leaves, uh, a carload of her friends have been keeping an eye out for him to leave, and they come upstairs. And we assume they trash the place before well, she leaves. Uh, either that, I was kind of... I'd. You know, it's been a few years since I saw this movie, so mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping, I think maybe when I saw it, that she would go, get out. Everybody, get out. But she wasn't that mature yet. Well, no, and that would not have advanced the plot. Um, well, it might have a little, you know, as we see her gather her things to go. But, yeah, it. Uh, she's just sitting there as if in shock because her boyfriend has told her to get out. Yeah. Um, and she's at a crossroads, doesn't know what to do, so she goes home, uh, where she runs into uh, Oscar. Oscar, played by Jason Sudeikis. He is equally compelling yes. in his performance in this film, both as um, hapless, milk toast, never left the small hometown to you know to do anything to strike out on his own, and then later on. Turns. Yes, he be, he's, he's very good at being very awful. He's yeah he he is equally convincing once his dark underbelly, figuratively speaking, is exposed. Um, less familiar with his work, he reminds me sort of of a, a young Dennis Quaid. Just his face, his his the look of his face hmm. um i see a kind of a resemblance there and a little bit of that sort of understated swagger um of course he was on snl for several seasons not when i was watching uh no um and was is he married to or was dating olivia wilde i don't know oh look a smartphone yeah i don't want to do that right now anyway <laughs> um but yeah he's he's just he, he's believable as the guy who's just trying to help um, Gloria out, try to get her back on her feet, even though she's not being entirely honest with him. Well, and he's not entirely honest with her either because no. my very strong sense, even though it's not like totally explicitly spelled out, is that he's he's been in love with her since they were children. I don't know if it's love exactly. Well, obsession, for sure. Mm. Well, maybe a little I think bit. That yeah. he has, I think that he has always carried a torch. He has. And when he sees his opportunity, that affection and to some degree obsession becomes this desire to control her. Well, yeah. Especially once the the thing the the weirdness about her comes to light and then the weirdness about him and the follows. weirdness about him follows right and well yeah because he uses that as a bargaining chip and a as tool. more of a more of a cudgel uh, uh, <laughs> uh, he uses his sway over her as a as as you said a way to control her mm -hmm. a way to keep her under his thumb right and the smarm on his face yes. when he thinks he's winning yeah. is just... Uh, Super I like, smarmy. I like Jason Sudeikis. Um, he was, he's very funny when he's supposed to be funny. But in this movie, 
he starts out as just sort of an average guy who turns into this this pit of evil creepy I mean, jackass he is um and uh, it's it's a it's a really great performance uh, uh when he starts turning on gloria but he also starts turning on his friends yeah uh, Tim Blake Nelson uh, is the target, uh, uh, Garth. Of the hostility. Uh, of, of his hostility at one point, and he just sort of belittles the young kid, Joel. Joel, yeah. Um, but he's he's got a, Joel has a target on his back, too. Um, well, yeah, for good reason. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I feel like both Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis turned in really restrained performances on I mean the the way that the characters were written and developed and just the whole premise and storyline of this thing mm-hmm. they could have so easily gone way over the top and become cartoonish in their characters but that's not the way they played them I felt like both performances were strong and um showed good control and good restraint. This movie doesn't work if they go over the top. If yeah. if they try to become these uh, caricatures of real people. Then it turns into bad Power Rangers with like um, the old Power Rangers from like the 90s where the old um, Japanese footage is like dubbed in with English and mm-hmm. yeah. Then it turns into that. Yeah, and, and and worse. It, but it doesn't because they use the the monster and the giant robot. There's a giant robot. Yeah. Uh, sparingly. And because the performances are grown up. Yes. It's a. It. It, it is a weird movie. I'll give you that. It is trippy and strange for sure. But. There is enough reality in the performances and enough reality in their stories that when the weird part comes in, it's like, um, you know, it's 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 like it catches you so by surprise. You can buy into it. That it's like uh, it's this sort of breath of fresh air kind of thing. I mean, we've seen all kinds of family dramas or, or romantic dramas or whatever where um, it's just so dour and so um, heavy mm-hmm. and so dark and it's the kind of thing that the average person I don't think would you know uh, put up with or deal with the way it's done in movies of course it's a movie so there's dramatic license but um, in, in those kinds of movies, you never get a break from it. There's, there's never this, there's never a, a, a... No levity. Well, levity or even just, you know, if you and I were fighting or our relationship wasn't good... Oh, my God! I, well, no, it's fine. Uh, it's good. Sh- are you sure? Yes, it's, it's all good. Is it fine or is it good? It's good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because we all know what fine means. Well, that, that depends on how you say it, but... Uh, yes, everything is great. It's fantastic. It's the best it could possibly be. Okay, you're you're going into fine territory oh, now. No, I'm not. Um, it's because the best it could possibly be. Your delivery oh, okay. is going into fine territory. But See, this is what happens when you're married for a really, really, really long, really long time. time. So anyway, there's yeah. that. So, but in a movie like that, there isn't, you don't get the break of, like, if we were having trouble, we would both go to work. And then we would be out of the drama. It would the be the swirling maelstrom of intensity. Yes, we would get a break from that. Yes. Whereas in movies, you don't get that. It's just like swirling maelstrom on, on top of swirling maelstrom. Yeah. But in this movie, it it ramps up slowly enough, and and then when it gets bad, there's this sudden break. Um, where uh, the bad guy... Sorry. Are you about to sneeze? That's what it felt like. All right. Sorry. That's fine. Allergy season. You sneeze. But uh, you get get this little break, this sort of unexpected and 
And it, you know, this is, I think, the movie's one weakness is that scene where after they have a fight, Oscar feels very, very bad and um, apologizes to Gloria and, and makes that peace offering of furniture. Um, and um, he seems sincere. For a minute. But, yeah, when Tim shows up, because Tim has come to town to try to get her to go home with him, Yeah. Uh, there's this really bizarre turn turn at the bar that he destroys essentially yeah um uh and well he's at this point he is um he knows he's got some power but he also is a man with none to lose in a way Like, you know, at this point, he's like, he's thinking, screw the bar. I've got, a I've got to demonstrate to this hoser that I am the alpha male here. Yeah, and that I it can, is. And that I can make Gloria do my bidding. It is kind of a... Uh, a pissing contest. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like... Remember, a, I'm still a lady. That's true. Uh, urinating contest. Um, it, or a measuring contest. And yeah, to whip out a ruler. Yeah, and Tim apparently got nothing going on. So, uh, but he, he, Oscar does this really stupid thing in the bar, which practically destroys it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that is his way of marking his territory yes. with Gloria. Exactly. And, um, and with Tim. And with Tim. And it works, at least for a moment. Yeah. It's it's a very complicated, dense movie for something that is so kind of goofy. Yeah, it is. There's a lot there's a lot to unpack. There is. In this little little simple little monster film. Now, let's talk a little bit about the 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 monster stuff. Um how much did that make you go what did it take you out of the movie when the monster stuff showed up? No. Because you don't know the connection right away. Well, no, and I remember asking you something along the lines of, "What just happened here?" Um, what am I supposed to get out of that? Yeah, what it, uh, did I think? What I said was, "Is there something here that I'm missing?" Mm. And there was, and then it was like, "Oh, gotcha." Oh. <laughs> That's weird. I kind of wish I had gone into this movie without knowing what it, what it when was. I saw it the what first time. What the connection time, was. What, well, yeah, that the there thing. was this connection. Um, because I would have liked to have just stumbled on that on my own. And I think I, I knew enough about it to where I, I knew what the twist was. And, but experiencing it through you did you you find you found that surprising and entertaining and, yeah 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 i bought it yeah and then later on there's a twist inside a twist and i'm uh. like oh <laughs> like i knew where she was going uh -huh. but i didn't know what was going to happen when she got there and then when it happened after she got there it was like oh my gosh yeah so that was way cool cool all right well I think we all know how we feel about the movie. It's pretty positive, I think. Mm -hmm. But what do we rate it? And we'll have that for you right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We're talking about the movie Colossal. If you haven't heard of it, don't worry about it. It uh, it uh, was not exactly a box office smash. I was going to say, did you see this at, at like the Artie Theater? Yes, I did. Okay, I was it had a It had a limited release. Yeah. Uh, it had a budget of $15 million, which is not huge. No. Uh, unfortunately, it only made four and a half. Oh, uh, that so, hurts. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it... Uh, it was a, um, you know, fairly well reviewed, fairly positive reviewed. It had an eighty-one on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. Um, cool. 
and uh, on Metacritic it had a 70 out of 100. So that's that's also considered Decent. very positive. Yeah. Uh, it says generally favorable reviews. Yeah, that's fair. But because it had such a limited release, I, I hope it has made money through since it's been through like videos and stuff. Yeah, through through video on demand, Streaming. rentals and and purchases and whatever Hulu paid for it to to stream it. Yeah. Um so, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a money maker, but I think it was you know, my f- tiny financial involvement aside, um I I I really enjoyed the movie. Uh what do you give Colossal? I would have to give it four and a half flaming robots. <laughs> flaming robots. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm I'm gonna match you on that. Uh, the turn that Sudeikis makes doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He makes a turn and then yet another turn and then a turn after that. So, um, so he's almost walking in a circle. Uh, yeah, three. Yeah, he's maybe doing a 180. Uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, that one little thing doesn't quite make sense uh unless unless oscar was just trying to play on her sympathies and keep her at the bar well duh yeah i don't know but yeah if mean manipulation doesn't work perhaps sympathetic manipulation might maybe so anyway yeah four and a half uh, stars for me uh colossal is i think well worth your hour and 50 minutes and like I said, it's on Hulu, and if you don't have Hulu, you can get it on the various video rental services across the internet. So, what have you been watching lately? Um, I was just trying to think, what did we watch the other day? <laughs> well, I... Uh... Not, not... Oh, um, we watched several episodes of the new Netflix um, reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, we watched all of them. That was all of that them? That was all of them. Um, it was like six. They were very good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it annoys me that so many of these stories are unresolved, you know, the murders. Well, unsolved mysteries, yeah. duh. Yeah, I know. That's but, the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, and I like the way they're doing these. They don't have a narrator. No, it's all... Um, um, there's some reenactment stuff. But it, there's, like, interview footage with the people involved in the cases. Yes, uh, either the survivors, uh, victims' relatives, whatever, or law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the more serious tone of this version of uh, Unsolved Mysteries, because the, it's the narration that... Because Robert Stack, you know, he wasn't subtle about it. He was trying to make it as dramatic as possible. That was his job. and That, that was his job. And, and it was, was in ha- the uh, 80s or 90s, yeah. whenever it was on. Both. Uh, they have the original music. Or not the original music, but they keep the theme. The it's, theme is uh, the same. And there's a nice little homage to Robert Stack. There's like a grainy, black and white, grayscale sort of... It sort of fades in as uh, the title card, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, comes up on the screen. Yeah, so that's nice. Now, these were all unsolved murders, with the exception of of a UFO sighting in Massachusetts in 1969. Yes. Uh, And they talked to several people who witnessed it, as well as claim to have been taken on board the spacecraft including a dude who apparently now lives in our home city of knoxville tennessee yes that uh you told me that yesterday and found it on the interwebs must yep. be true um yeah he's uh he's the one who's sitting in uh, in a chair on the covered uh bridge and who complained because his mother moved him there with his little brother or with his older brother, to run the uh, diner. From New York City. Yeah. They were originally from New York City, and they go to this little town in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness of Massachusetts, and 
now maybe before the UFO sighting, but definitely after, he talks about how they were bullied and made fun of and called crazy and that they were lying and, and all of this stuff about what they claimed to have experienced. I thought it was really cool that the the 85-year-old lady walking with the cane, mm-hmm. she and her sons both saw it, but they were not together the night that it happened. And the the boy's grandmother was babysitting them at the time, and she she told the boys never you know don't say anything about. Don't this tell to your mom; it'll upset her. Well, and the mother never said anything about it to the boys because she didn't want to upset them. So, like <laughs> decades go by, yeah, and they I don't remember exactly what the situation what the show was it the, when she was contacted about appearing about on the, the show. show. Yeah. Okay, that's the so, one they talked about. It. Yeah, so they're like. Well, duh, you saw it too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, duh, you did too. Well, duh. So, like, decades have gone by that they could have shared their experiences but did not. Right. Um, there's four or five people who talk about what they saw and what they felt like happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. I it thought. was. It was very interesting. It's totally X Files, dude. <laughs> totally X Files. Really cool. But that is the only one of the episodes that isn't about an, an, an unsolved, unsolved murder. murder. So, but yeah, give that a shot. Um, if you enjoy true crime or if you enjoyed the original Unsolved Mysteries, I actually think this is better. I think this has a lot to recommend it. And oh, and they only do one story per episode, they it's, don't it's do not, like four sections or something. Yeah. Um, we also watched the um, the latest episode of the new Perry Mason reboot, and we watched um, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yes, we talked about that last week. Okay, we haven't, we haven't watched, watched this week's, this week's episode. Yes. That's what we would normally be doing now because it's Monday, yes. but recording the podcast because That's right. I was a bonehead and no, made plans for tomorrow. No, 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 no. Everything's fine. Time is a flat circle. They this won't mean anything in. I'm still a bonehead. A week or a month or a year, whenever, however Lord, long it is before people listen to it. We may not be here in a week well, or a month because the, the the world and that thing that we can't talk about and all the stuff. That that which shall not be named. Yeah, the, that. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, uh, we are going to continue to watch those things. Actually, yeah. probably when we finish this, we'll. Well, at least one. Maybe one. Uh, no. It won't be one. No. Um, no. Maud, uh, Maud got to be up early. Yeah, we, we both got to do the whole work thing, Maud, which sucks. Maud needs sleep in the yes. worst way. So, um, I I have extolled the virtues of um, Curiosity Stream, a documentary streaming service. It's very inexpensive, three, four dollars a month, um, and uh, I have been watching a, um, a British a BBC series. It's actually from 2011, but it's all historical stuff, so it's not like there's going to be any updates um, about the discovery of and harnessing of electricity. Um, and initially, it's the the first episode's about how it was a curiosity uh, and a sort of a parlor trick at first. Uh, these guys were creating these vacuum jars that they would crank. The Leiden jar. Uh, the Leiden jar. And um, when he would hold his hand against it in a darkened room, uh, as it spun, there would be this blue glow around his uh, fingers where he touched the jar. And uh, it was, uh, electricians were originally the people who were using it, uh, using electricity in carnivals to do tricks and, and you know, show off the pretty lights and things of that nature. Make your hair stand up on its um, head? Actually, I don't think they even figured that out until sometime later. But there, there's all of these stories about uh, early scientists in the like 17 and 1800s trying to figure out what electricity was, uh, could it be stored, and could it be used to do work? And all of these things took time to figure out. Um, 
And then the second episode is about, you know, how uh, Nikola Tesla um, and um, George Westinghouse and Thomas Edison were involved in this sort of feud between... Uh, Who could invent what first? Well, Edison had a DC system for delivering electricity, and Westinghouse had an AC system for using electricity. Direct current versus alternating current. Uh, not, I know the science. Not the Australian rock band ACDC. But, um, and how the, the, the extremes Edison would go to, to to try to show that alternating current was extraordinarily dangerous. Whereas direct current, no big deal. The problem with direct current is you have to be within a mile of the power plant uh, to get power. Uh, otherwise, it it you know fades over distance. Whereas uh, alternating current, you can be hundreds or thousands of miles away, and as long as you've got solid cables, everything is cool. Um, so that's that's been a really. I've got I think one more episode to go, but it's been I, I enjoy stuff like that. Granted, that makes me a nerd, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Uh, well, it's. On the nerd scale, though, that is um, more interesting to me than some of your nerdy pursuits are. So, <laughs> Like Star Wars Rebels. Or any of that planet crap. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Pluto I, is still a planet, in my estimation, by the way. Whatever. Uh, sure. Um, and uh, Star I, did, Wars Rebels. I did finish Star Wars Rebels. I sort of plowed through that series in a week and a half or so. Um, and I, I'll tell you, that last season is uh, emotionally uh, intense. In, intense in that some of the characters don't make it to the end. You know, which is weird for a kid's show to do that. Yeah. Although I think they understand it wasn't really kids watching it. It was, you know, teens, 20s, 30s, yeah. uh, late 50s. Um and so, but I finished that, and um, it's it's so good. I enjoyed it a great deal. It's it's a lot of fun to watch the that universe, uh, which normally would just be the nine movies get expanded and broadened with these side characters and uh, slightly um, like in between timelines. Uh, Rebels takes place between episodes three and four. Um, and uh, uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, takes place during Episode 3, or between 2 and 3. Um, and, and so I, I just, it was really good. I was surprised at how involved I was getting in the stories and the characters. For an animated show, and granted, I'm easy, but um, it, it surprised me how much I was invested in, in that show. Yeah, you really did plow through, like you marathoned them. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. You freaking binge watched. Yes, and um, and I, I binged it. napped. Yes, yes, she did. Um, let's see, was there anything else? Seems like I watched something else on Netflix. Oh, um, uh, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's sort of a Monty Python documentary series I started the other night. Um, you were starting that last night when I went upstairs to bed. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, it's from 2009, um, but, you know, the first episode's relatively short, like a half hour, and they just talk about their education and how they sort of all got connected. And then uh, the second episode's about an hour, and it talks about how they started working together on various shows and then uh, finally started Monty Python's Flying Circus. Cool. And it's very funny. I've I really enjoyed hearing sort of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, hearing interviews with each of the members, including archival footage for uh, what's his I can't remember his name now. The one who passed away um, in the, like the eighties or nineties. But um, yeah, it's it's if you like Monty Python, then I highly suggest you watch. There's actually a couple of things about Python on Netflix, but um, if you you know just do a search, you'll you'll find it. Um, let's see. Was there anything else? I don't think so. 
I mean, not for me. You watch a lot did more you, stuff than I do. I'm did boring. you watch me watch stuff? Um, <laughs> the electricity thing. Well, yeah, I caught a piece I of that, that, and um, napped after you started your little Star Wars thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think I'm caught up with you. All right. Well, you know, there's only so much you can do. I know. I know. I'm limited. Well, I don't mean you. I mean, I mean, I didn't mean you specifically. I meant you in the sort of the grand... Grand general sense. Yes. Um, I need to get to Dark, um, which is a ger- that German time travel series. The third and final season has uh, dropped on Netflix, and I really enjoyed the first two seasons. Um, and then they threw in alternate universes at the end of the second season. Oh, well, alrighty then. So Put that um, on your list. Yes, well, it is on my list. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. A um, couple of notable things. Um, Ennio... Morricone? Yes. Um, film score composer for most notably The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, passed today as we record this. Charlie Daniels passed today mm-hmm. as we record this. Two musical influences for sure from just about as opposite ends of the spectrum as one can imagine, mm-hmm. but still um, both extremely influential and iconic in their respective genres. And, um, you know, it's always sad when giants like that leave this world yeah um i i remember when i was in like eighth grade and we got to go to band camp when i you know with the marching band this one time at band camp well it wasn't that i'm sorry uh we were they had a little uh cafe uh, a little (sighs) burger joint kind of place over uh, it was over at marable college Mm -hmm. I'm sure that place has been gone a hundred years. The Burger Cafe, not Maryville College. I know for sure that it is still there. But um, and they had a jukebox, mm-hmm. and this one kid named his last name was Ortiz. Uh, people called him Ort, and he hated it. Yeah. Um, but he would play "Long-Haired Country Boy." Yeah. Again and again and again. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember that that's one of the clearest memories of band camp that I have. From well, that yeah, time. that's, that's music is such an evocative force in our lives. And speaking as a musician myself, doubly so for me, but a song can take a person back to a moment mm-hmm. just in the, in the blink of an eye. Um, I remember Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it, the part of my life I was in when that was popular, um, it, it's just we're losing icons all the time now. And it's always been this way, yeah. I realize. Mm-hmm. But as we get older... Um, the icons from our lifetime are passing now. And, I mean, Charlie Daniels was 83. He had a good run. Yeah. And he had a good run until just right at the end. Apparently, his cerebral hemorrhage was just massive and fast. Mm. So, um... Morricone was in his late 80s, I think. I'm thinking. Um, and, um, while we're talking about dead celebrities, um... Carl Reiner, um, Mark Marin's podcast, WTF, yeah. he talked to Reiner some years ago. Ennio Morricone was 91. 91. And uh, um, Carl Reiner um, was on, on WTF some years ago. And after he passed, uh, Marin re-released it. Yeah. And I don't recall having heard that interview, or maybe I had, and it's... I listen to so many podcasts that just went in and out of my head. Your podcast life is like a whole nother job. Anyway, um, I would suggest 
if you haven't already heard it, to go back and listen to it um, uh, because uh, Marin tells a post-interview story um, uh, that involves Mel Brooks. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was fun listening to to him talk about Brooks and and Sid Caesar and his son Rob uh, Reiner, Rob not Reiner. Caesar. No, not yeah. Um, and uh, how proud he was of him about about you know his success both sure. as an actor and a director. Yeah. Um, about his uh, friendship and uh, working relationship with Steve Martin. Sure. Uh, he did like four movies with Steve Martin. Um, and, uh, Sid Caesar, um, your show of shows and writing yeah. on that. And oh, you know, Dick Van Dyke has got to be in some serious mourning. Well, and, and Dick Van Dyke has also mentioned in this about working with him for the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. He's a fossil. Um, and, uh, he also talked about, um, how he and Mel Brooks just riffed the 2000 year old man that, Mel did not know what questions <laughs> he was going to be asked by the interviewer in the skit. Yeah. And uh, Mel just made up all that stuff. And, and uh, some of the biggest stars in the world, when they would, they would do that at parties. Mm -hmm. And some of the biggest comedy people in the world would say, you've got to put that on record or you've got to turn yeah. that to a play. Or you've got to do something with that. Giants walked the earth in those days. Yeah. Jonathan Winters mm -hmm. was among the best. And there's there's footage, I think, on The Tonight Show of Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams together mm -hmm. doing doing their thing. Well, oh, my stars. Robin considered Jonathan Winters a god. And, you know, they worked. He wasn't wrong. They worked together on... Uh, one of the last seasons of Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Which, a lot of that stuff, you know, they would... Just they, improvise. They cut probably hours of their riffing uh, out just to try to get it down to the 25 or 24 minutes because they would just go. And, you know, I think Robin was pretty much on the cocaine by that time. So he was flying away. Yeah. But... Um, um, yeah, uh, some of, I, I, I wish there was a way to collect all that footage and, and just release it as like either a bonus on the, on a box set of Mork and Mindy or, or whatever, uh, or just put it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, I mean, I know a lot of people are going, who's Jonathan Winters? Google him. Oh, my God. You have to Google this man. He was a giant. Or who, I mean, even for me, Sid Caesar was kind of after my time. Yeah. I mean, before my time. Um, he, uh, you know, he had a show back in, I think, the 40s uh, and the 50s was his heyday on TV. Uh, he made movies, too. But, and he did guest appearances on oh, yeah. practically everything. But, you know, all, a lot of these people are gone now. And they are, m many of them, forgotten or never heard of. Do do Google searches for things like um, golden age of comedy or comedians of the 1940s, 1950s. Um, go back, go back and see and hear what some of these people were doing because it was remarkable. It's well, still remarkable. And even just catch some guest appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Sure. Um, those guys were having a party. It wasn't a TV show. It was a party. They just happened to film it. Yeah. Um, and um, if you can find, uh, I know they sell DVDs or whatever. Compilations, of, of the, yes. the uh, Tonight Show. But there are clips on YouTube as well, so you don't have to buy it. Um and it may not strike you as funny now, but, you know, these were giants. These were uh, the forerunners for anybody that you think is funny now. Yeah, 
the trail had to get blazed decades ago, generations right. ago, and, and it got blazed. And these and uh, blazed. Um, well, that some of that came later. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think. Well, Lenny, yeah. Lenny Bruce was well, he was a tripper. Um, well, Richard I, Pryor, obviously. I, I think I think maybe alcohol might have been the drug of choice for a lot of them at that time, but um, I think there might have been a little little something something going on. Aeroplane glue. <laughs> All right. Well, we're obviously talking about stuff we know nothing about. Uh, so yeah, give, give just do a just do a search on uh, YouTube for for some of these names like Sid Caesar um, or Steve Allen or uh, Johnny Carson. Oh God! Even Bob Newhart back in the day. Yeah, yeah. The button-down mind of Bob Newhart. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest selling comedy albums of all time he was literally an accountant <laughs> literally he, when he recorded that record i've heard him he was also on wtf he didn't have an act no it was just observational bob newhart well i mean and and he didn't he he did not have enough material for an album and they said i i there's more specifics to the story, but it, that just kind of happened as a fluke, and it turned into this giant success. Well, and it blazed the trail for other observational comics like Stephen Wright, um, a Mr. Jerry Seinfeld comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But nobody can have a fake phone conversation quite like Bob Newhart. <laughs> no. With, with, with the pauses and, and, the, the, and the stutters. And yeah, it was... Uh, it was quite something. Freaking genius. All right. Okay. I think we have come to the end of this. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever it is you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. If you have a suggestion for something that you want us to watch, either your favorite movie or your favorite guilty pleasure or the worst thing you ever saw or something you think might start a fight. Well, any any of those reasons, but tell us what it is and and why. And why you think we should watch it and send that to us in an email, comedytragedymarriage@gmail.com. Um and next week it's my turn. Next week's yes. Mod <laughs> is going to um, please with the with the plucking. Stop. No. Uh, mm -mm -mm. So, uh, I guess that does it for this week. Love you. Love you, too. And until next time. Later. Later. Yay!